Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to another episode of Blitzcast, and there's breaking news at the top of the show. Big Ten football is back. It's going to play the, the fall football season. Ed, that, that's great news for the Big Ten, and it's great news for all those people, including yourself and myself, who, who follow the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I, I love Big Ten football. I love a lot of those teams. You know, I love watching teams like Iowa, and I like, you know, watching Penn State and uh, Michigan and obviously Ohio State. You know, it, it'd, be, it'd be hard to have a college football playoff and not give Ohio State a chance. So, um, yeah, this is, this is good news for football fans. All of the teams are going to play in the fall. There were a lot of speculations about some teams will play and some teams will not play. According to the report on ESPN and the different networks out there, they're saying all the teams are going to be involved. The season will start on the weekend of October 24th, which is a Saturday. It's the latest start of any conference out there this fall. And there's going to be an eight-week season. So all the teams are going to participate. They're going to play eight games, it seems like, if everything is going to be okay in terms of COVID-19 and all the protocols. But this is a huge win for Jim Harbaugh, who's complaining all the time at Michigan. And this is a huge win for Ohio State that was probably pushing the hardest out of any teams in the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the biggest winner here is Ohio State and Justin Fields. I mean, Justin Fields, you know, wants to wants to solidify his draft stock, and I think he, you know, he'll be the number two behind Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you know, dude, you know, I'm there's going to be at least two teams that are going to need a quarterback. So, I think I think Justin Fields wants to be that number two. He wants to cement himself as that number two. So he's a big winner here. Is eight games going to be enough, Ed? Because obviously the SEC is going to play a 10-game season. Some other, like the ACC is playing an 11-game season. Obviously the, the season has already started for a lot of these teams, and the SEC will start next week. The Big Ten is, is behind the eight ball. They're starting at the end of October. They're trying to catch up. The Big Ten championship game is set for December 19th, and then they're hoping to get into the college football playoff. Will Ohio State and Penn State be considered? Because, I mean, again, they're only playing eight games. Yeah, but they're playing eight games, but they're in the most competitive. I mean, other than the SEC, I consider the Big Ten the most competitive division. So, um, I I mean, I I see it. It's going to be pretty much SEC champion, Big Ten champion, and then there's going to be a Big 12 champion, Oklahoma and uh, an ACC champion, Clemson. So, um, yeah, the, the 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 college football playoff. I think if there's anyone who's who's a big loser here, it's 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 the group of five. It's the it's the non power five conference teams because I think this was the year that you know they could have had a conference that was you know maybe like in the AAC or Conference USA. You know, this might be their year to to play, but it doesn't look like play in the in the college football playoff but it doesn't look like it's going to happen now that the big tens back in bovada sportsbook has got you covered it takes sports betters closer to the action it's fun it's safe and it's fast 
It's sports betting made easy. I don't think that playing an eight-game schedule that you should be considered for the college football playoff. I realize that Ohio State is still going to play Michigan. They're still going to play Wisconsin. They're still going to play Penn State. And considering if, say, they go undefeated, a lot of people are going to say, hey, Ohio State was, was number two in the preseason polls, so let's get them in there. But I just think it's going to be a slap in the face to an ACC school or an other, another SEC school that, that's playing a longer schedule than them. And I just think that I realize why the Big Ten is doing this. They received a lot of negative reaction after they pulled the plug on their fall football season. There was a lot of hatred coming out from these football programs, from parents, from players. And they put a lot of pressure on the Big Ten commissioner and um, all those chancellors to get the season back. So I commend them for that. But I do think that um, Ohio State and Penn State should not be considered for the college football playoff because eight games is just a a small sample size, in my opinion. I'm definitely on the other side of that. I think think when you beat, if you beat Wisconsin, you beat... You beat Penn State. You definitely deserve to be in the college football playoff, plain and simple, in my opinion. Let's talk about the Sun Belt. They had a big week in college football this past Saturday. I haven't been as happier for a non-Power 5 conference like the Sun Belt, who just had a great week. And this was at the expense of the Big 12. Coastal Carolina beat Kansas 38-23. to Arkansas State beat Kansas State, uh, with 38 seconds left in the game, their wide receiver, Jonathan Adams Jr., came down with the game winner. Louisiana beat Iowa State. This was the first time they beat a top 25 team on the road, and they, they did it in such commanding fashion. They, they beat Iowa State 31-14. to Crazy weekend. I mean, I'm happy for the Sun Belt. The, the Big 12 had a tough week. Yeah, and I mean there was there, the big upset. I mean of all of this was was Brock Purdy and Iowa State losing. I mean they were a ranked team, and you know they lose to the Raging Cajuns. And I, I mean I think I think the Raging Cajuns are a good team, but um, you know the, this is a game that you know Iowa State's supposed to win. Iowa State's supposed to be you know one of the top four teams in the Big Twelve, and so this was this was a big loss. And I think I think this was the biggest shock of them all. I'm actually. I'm not as I'm not as shocked by the uh, the Kansas and Coastal Carolina game. Actually, this is the second year in a row that Coastal Carolina has beat Kansas. So Iowa St- Iowa State losing their game was the big was the big folly of the weekend. Louisiana is a good team. Uh, they've got a two headed monster at running back, and they just they they continue to run the football behind their offensive line, even though they lost a couple of guys to the NFL. But they beat them in in dramatic fashion out there the special teams really stepped up and they had a couple of big returns for touchdowns Iowa State just was shocked and this was obviously on the road Coastal Carolina I agree with you this is the second straight year that they beat Kansas but this time it was at Kansas and that front seven that Coastal Carolina has behind Teron Jackson and C.J. Brewer and Silas Kelly and Teddy Gallagher. I mean, that team can stop the run and get after the quarterback. They're as good as it gets. And 
I really enjoyed watching Jonathan Adams Jr. just make that catch at the end of the game for the game winner. Obviously, that was that was the game winner against Kansas State for Arkansas State. Just great. It's I'm always happy for the non-power five schools when they can do it. And actually, there was Houston Baptist, FCS school. They were playing down to the wire with Texas Tech. And uh, it, they went for the two-point conversion at the end. They didn't convert, and they lost the game 35-33. to But Houston Baptist was, I think they were the underdogs by like 40 points on the road to Texas Tech. And Bailey Zappi, the quarterback, and they have a couple of good wide receivers. I mean, they played really well. I watched that game, and I was really impressed with the way they handled the whole situation and, and how they played. Houston Baptist almost pulled off the victory. They went for a couple of fourth downs in the red zone instead of taking the field goal. I'm sure the head coach would love to have those back, those decisions, because I I think the head coach let the team down a bit. They were playing down to the wire. If instead of taking that that fourth down conversion that they didn't get, instead of taking that field goal, they could have pulled out that win. That was exciting in week two and a lot more to come in week three. We're joined by Austin Trammell, wide receiver from Rice University. Austin, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I know that your team hasn't resumed practice up to this point. What have you done to to keep yourself in shape? Yeah, so we came back to, to Rice June 11th, and pretty much from then on, we've been weight training and conditioning uh, almost every day since so we've we've stayed conditioned we're in shape um but it's we're just waiting to get that call to start practice uh your football season obviously was supposed to start in early october it was against marshall but the first two games have been postponed again by conference usa will rice have a fall football season give us a little feedback where the football program stands as of right now yeah you know i don't have too much information on this, but I do know that our university and Conference USA, they're trying to keep us as safe as possible while also giving us a chance to compete for a conference title. Um, so I know they're going to try to reschedule those games, um, at least one of them. So we should have majority of our conference games, if not all. Well, I hope so. The The Big Ten got some really good news today. I hope Rice is, is going to have a fall football season as well. It just it just doesn't seem fair if, if some teams are playing and some teams aren't. Yeah, you know, I was thinking that the other day because we realized our first game will be our opponent's fifth game, um, which is it's definitely a big difference. But, I mean, as long as we get to play, I don't care if it's – I don't care who it is or – how many games they've played. I just, we just want to play ball, you know? I heard you were, you were a pretty good baseball player back in the day in high school. Was baseball your first love and why did you choose football over baseball? Um, that's a good question. I was, I was a pretty, pretty good baseball player back in the day. I have the stolen base record at my high school. Uh, I think second all time batting average. Um, but I don't, I don't know. It just, it came down to, I think my, after my sophomore year, um, I had to decide if I wanted to pursue baseball or football in college. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't give up football. I I loved it too much. Uh, football has always been my passion. I've always 
enjoyed baseball and loved playing baseball, but there was nothing like football growing up. And also it was, I thought it was more likely for me to go to college to play baseball. And I wanted to, to beat the odds and, and do something that's a little more difficult and, and, and play football. So, and I'm glad I, with the decision I made, because I mean, I, I love football more than anything. Was there interest in terms of baseball from from some colleges out there? Did, did someone come and recruit you? Yeah, you know, so a big part of baseball recruiting is the summer travel ball tournaments and going to the showcases. And the reason I decide whether I wanted to play football or baseball um, so early was because I didn't know if I wanted to go to football camps in the summer or if I wanted to go to baseball showcases. So I, I really didn't get recruited that much for baseball just because I, I didn't get that much, that much exposure. Uh, Austin, take us back a little bit. Coming out of high school, who showed interest in you, and how did you wind up at Rice? Yeah, so I didn't have that much interest um, coming out of high school. Really, the only way uh, I would get coaches to, to get interested is going to camps and running a good 40 time and balling out during one-on-ones and during drills. Um, and so going into my senior year, I had offers from SFA, HBU and then Rice and I committed to Rice pretty quickly um, after they offered me and then going into my senior year I had an incredible start Um, I had like 11 receiving touchdowns in four games uh, my senior season and so I was expecting more offers to come Uh, but that fourth game I broke my leg going across the middle Mm -hmm. caught the ball and and snapped my shin on uh, another guy's leg and so that ended my senior year pretty quickly. Um, and I still think I would have stayed with Rice no matter what, but that ended my re- recruiting for sure. Well, that's good that they stayed with you because, I mean, some programs might bail on you after an injury like that. I'm, I'm glad Rice stayed on you and decided to honor their commitment. Yeah, absolutely. And that was something I was super nervous about um, after I broke my leg, but uh, Coach Bailiff was was incredible. He he stayed with me, and I, I thank him so much to this day for doing that. What's your biggest achievement as a receiver? Obviously, you talked about your senior year, but you know, just more your college career. Yeah, um, I've been all conference, honorable mention, been second team, um, and just I've had a lot of catches in in my career so far. Um, I think I'm the second. Rice player to have back-to-back 60 or plus receptions in a season and the only other person to do that is Jared Dillard uh, which is a pretty awesome person to be compared to um, or at least in the same uh, the only two people to do it so that was pretty cool but I mean I'm hoping this year for for some big numbers and shooting for first team all conference and go from there. Tell us about being a returner obviously that's a place you bring some versatility what's your biggest highlight as a return man? Yeah, I mean, I I love returning kicks and punts. Um, they're very different, uh, each of them. Personally, I enjoy punt return more, um, but I also I love kick return. Um, I've had some really good returns in my career. Um, freshman year, that was a big part of my role freshman year. Uh, and I was, I think, second team all-conference punt returner my freshman year um, and had some really big returns, and I've had some great returns throughout my career. Haven't housed one yet, unfortunately, um, but that's definitely going to happen this year. But I've had some some long returns, some good returns, so it's definitely something um, 
I contribute to our team. Um, but I think the biggest thing is I'm just I'm extremely trusted back there because it's it's a high pressure job. One little mistake and it's it turns the whole game around. So, what was it like to be named a team captain last year? You know, it was a huge honor. Um, first off, being a junior, not many juniors are elected captain, and just the fact that our whole team votes and that out of a hundred guys that they thought I was worth picking as their captain and it, it just meant so much to me just showed all the hard work and the relationships I've built with uh, my teammates um, it, it means a lot and it just makes me want to play that much harder and lead them the best I can are you going to be captain again this year there has to be a vote um, again but um, it most likely I will be captain again yes who's the best player you faced in conference USA I would have to say last year when I faced Chris Jackson, DB for Marshall, who's now with Tennessee Titans. He was extremely, extremely great corner. Uh, patient, physical, um, definitely studied his film because uh, a lot of just formation or alignment, he could he had a pretty good jump on what concepts we were running, what route we were running. Um, so that that guy is definitely an elite player and elite athlete and it was it was fun to to go against him austin trammell receiver from rice university is with us your team won three straight games to end last season obviously it's been a crazy off season but does it still give you confidence and momentum heading into this year absolutely 100 percent um if you just if you're around our locker room if you're around our guys you can just feel the difference uh, between last year and this year and I think a big part of that was those three, three, three straight wins. I mean, it, it felt like we could never lose again after that. And I think that feeling still, still in place. And we are itching to play our first game because we want to keep that winning streak going. What have you learned the most from your coaches? This is a really good question. Um, and I feel like it's a good question to ask someone who's, been at a school for a long time um but i'd say that like one of the things i admire most about coach bloomgren um, other than his leadership is his preparation like he is no matter what is thrown at him he's already prepared for it eight different ways um and is never shocked or surprised by anything um so i said that's one of the big things i've learned for him is to over prepare for every possible outcome every possible situation also from the coaching staff as a whole, um, I'd say just the love of the game, whether you're playing, whether you're just in the locker room, just the love of the game and the love of your brothers. Where when you get walk into the facility, when you walk onto the field, you're you're doing something that not many people get to do, and it's it's a privilege and a blessing to be able to do it. And you got to go out there every day, loving what you do and and, and enjoying what you do. And the last thing I think that I, what I've learned is just competing um, at everything you do, whether it's football, whether it's school, whether it's conditioning, whether it's weightlifting. You should be competing with your teammates, with yourself, with anyone who can possibly compete with you. Um, just because it, it grows you and it, it makes you perform higher at a higher level, it, it grows you as a person, it grows you as a competitor. And it, it, it really follows our, our team's mantra of intellectual brutality. Um, which we're just trying to beat teams mentally and physically throughout all four quarters. 
What's the biggest difference between this coaching staff and the coaching staff that recruited you? You know, I get I get asked that question a lot, and I only only had the last coaching staff for six months, um, just one season. Um, so it, it's it's hard to compare because I was a young freshman, but I have full respect for both coaching staffs. Um, I learned a lot from both, um, but I obviously just have more time spent with um, Coach Bloomberg and his staff. Um, but it, it's hard to compare just because I, I've spent so much time with this staff and a lot less with the other. Academics play a huge role in your life, um, looking at your biography on, on the school site. Tell us about taking care of your business in the classroom. Yeah, I think that really just stems from my parents and growing up. They just always made me um, try hard in school and they held me accountable for it um, and I think it's just carried over to college and I, I care about school I know football won't last forever I mean I, I and it goes back to competing I compete in the classroom just like I do on the field what's the key to playing wide receiver uh, that's a good question I'd have to say eyes feet and physicality you have to be able to use your eyes to to move defenders and, and to fake people out and you have to use your feet to get in and out of breaks getting in and out of breaks is probably the most important thing as a receiver if you can't get out of your break fast you're never going to get open um and then lastly being physical um that's that's just football that's that's how the key to playing football is being physical and it, it also helps getting open getting off the line and blocking of course blocking is a huge huge part of football and i think it's very important as a receiver Austin, what do you think is the biggest difference between playing outside receiver and playing in the slot where you, you've done most of your damage? Um, playing outside, it's a lot more one-on-one uh, corners in your face, and it's a lot of time you and him. Um, and so you got to beat that guy, and you got to catch the ball, win, win the the one-on-one. Um, being in the slot, there's a lot more moving parts. You have to pay a lot more attention to the coverage, to the – the, the way the safeties are rolling, um, what the backers are going to do. Uh, you have to get second-level releases, so you have to avoid the backer trying to collision you and run a route off a safety or a nickel. Um, so there's a lot more moving parts. I have a pretty good intellect um, when it comes to football, um, so that's I think that's a big part of, of the reason why I succeed in the slot because I can read a defense and I, I can – figure out the best path to take and, and the right read for my route. Um, and also just being strong and physical helps uh, get through those collisions and get to the next level. I know you were born in Louisiana. Is there anybody you root for? Do you have a favorite NFL team? Yeah, so growing up in Louisiana, it it was the Saints. Um, so I, still to this day, I still always root for the Saints. Um, but I'm not like a crazed fan or anything um i like watching all nfl games and teams but if the saints win the super bowl i would definitely want them to win it is there an nfl player you look up to obviously like julian edelman is the person i've watched and learned from a lot in the past couple of years we just were very similar build and similar uh play type but other than him I also really enjoy watching uh, Tyler Lockett, I like the way he runs routes and moves. Uh, smaller guy. I really like watching uh, 
I really like mm-hmm. watching Doug Baldwin a lot, uh, just how shifty he is and the way he uses his feet um, and eyes. I always try to imitate him a lot um, in a couple of the routes he runs. I like studying and breaking breaking down those guys uh, just to see what I can learn. Austin, it's been great. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Good luck to you this year. Hey, thank you. I really appreciate it. Let's get to NFL news. You know, I was watching the Vikings against the Packers, and Aaron Rodgers looked like his old self. And on the receiving end, Devontae Adams, I think, caught 13 or 14 receptions from Aaron Rodgers. And that leads me to my next question that you and I are going to debate. Is Devontae Adams, who is one of the best wide receivers in the league, but do you put him in that top five category in the NFL? Well, the answer is yes. I put him in that top five category, but I think he—I think he's number five. I mean, you got to put in Michael Thomas, number one, Julio Jones, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans. I mean, all those guys deserve to be ahead of Devontae Adams. But I, I really like Devontae Adams. I mean, he's a true number one. He's a guy you can line up in the slot. He's a guy who plays a lot on the outside. He's—he's um, he's their bell cow, and he's got a great connection with Aaron Rodgers. Again, it just shows that you don't have to run a fast 40 time if you're an NFL draft prospect at the wide receiver position. Michael Thomas ran a 4.57 at the Combine. DeAndre Hopkins ran a 4.57 at the Combine. We know Antonio Brown ran a 4.56, the same 40 time that Devontae Adams ran coming out of Fresno State. It's all about getting a clean release at the line of scrimmage. And and Devontae Adams is one of the best in terms of those releases off the line. I would consider him like a top two, top three receiver when it comes to running his routes. He just creates separation. He's able to change up speeds, run such good routes, and, uh, and able to beat, whether it's man coverage or zone coverage. I mean, he's gotten so good at it. He was a raw receiver coming out of Fresno State. He was the favorite target for Derek Carr. But he has turned into one of the best receivers in the league. I also put him in the top five. I'll put him at number four. And in the preseason, I actually released my top five wide receivers on Twitter. And I didn't put Devontae Adams there. But after examining his game a little bit closely, I have to say I was wrong. I mean, Adams definitely deserves to be in the top five. And uh, the Packers are lucky to, to have him on their roster because he certainly makes... Aaron Rodgers' life easier. Let's talk about a team that really struggled in week one of the NFL. It was the Bucks. The Bucks were playing against the Saints on the road. We knew it wasn't going to be easy, but the one thing that really stood out and really surprised me, Ed, was that Tom Brady didn't have his best game. He really struggled to get on the same page with his offense. Yeah, you can say that again. And you know, when I look at this Bucks team, I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of pieces from a lot of places. I mean, you have Tom Brady coming from the Patriots. You got Gronkowski kind of coming from the Patriots, but really coming out of retirement. You know, you've got Chris Godwin and Mike Evans who were on the team before, but you know, are used to playing with Jameis Winston. You know, you've you've added Tristan Wirfs. Um, so there's there's just a, there's just a lot of new pieces. I mean, Leonard Fournette. There's just there's just a lot of stars and. You know, it, I mean, it's going to be big how they gel together. And, it, I mean, Bruce Arians has a big job to do. I mean, he needs to – I mean, he. I think I think from a scheme point of view, I don't worry about 
the Bucks, but I think from a you know just getting on the same page, practicing together, I think I think it really hurt this team not to have a preseason together. Bavada has the Bucks as the favorites this week at home by nine versus the Panthers, and they should win this week. I th- I think they will be better on offense. What do you think about Bruce Arians criticizing the great Tom Brady, the goat? What do you think about that? You know, I I think he's really just trying to fire him up. I mean, that's all that's all it is. I mean, it's just you know, Bruce Arians believes in Brady, and he knows he knows what he's capable of. And sure, sure, Brady's not in the prime of his career anymore. But you know, Bruce Arians knows that he can get a Super Bowl worthy quarterback performance out of him if he if he plays his cards right. I know the offense struggled, but a lot of it had to do with Mike Evans not being at 100%. He had the hamstring injury. He only caught one pass with that touchdown late. Um, It was for two yards. But you know, there was one thing that I was impressed by. I realized that the Saints still, when you look at the score and you say the Saints scored 34 points, I guess that was to be expected. But a lot of it had to do with those two turnovers that, that Tom Brady committed. What I was impressed with was the Bucks' defense. I mean, Todd Bowles' group was tremendous. Anybody that watched that game, Levante Davis was outstanding. He was all over the field. Devin White played a really good game. They only gave up 271 total yards to the Saints. That's not a lot for a team that loves to air it out. Drew Brees had 160 passing yards. Michael Thomas had three catches for 17 yards. That's unheard of, to be honest with you, especially since... Many people, including myself, said the Bucks. their weakness is their secondary. But they played well there as a collective group. And I just, I was impressed with that. And Alvin Kamara wasn't able to get going on the ground. The secondary played well. The defense played well. That's what surprised me the most. And I would take a silver lining out of this. I would be quite happy. I didn't get the win. But I would be very happy if the defense played like this every week because I know that the offense and Tom Brady are going to catch up. Yeah, I mean, one thing to consider, I mean, I picked the Saints to win the Super Bowl. So, I mean, they were playing a very good football team this week. So, I mean, it's not like it's not like the, you know, the 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 Bucks just totally fell apart against a bad team. I mean, this isn't, you know, I I'm not I'm not ready to push the panic button or start start picking against the Bucks yet. And that's why I think the Bucks should be confident because you know Tom Brady is going to bounce back. You know Mike Evans is going to return healthy with Chris Godwin. And that defense just looks a lot more in sync in the second year of Todd Bowles' defense. They, they know what they're doing and they have the pieces. And that's why I think the Bucks are going to be a dangerous team in the second half of the season and come playoff time. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but it all starts this week with the Panthers. The three worst teams, according to Alex Kaftoff, were the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Washington football team, and the Chicago Bears. Well, they all came away with wins during week one. Let's start with the Jags, and I'll give you the credit. I said the Jags are going to be tanking. They're getting rid of their best players. Who's going to run the football? I'm not a believer in Gardner Minshew, that they're tanking for Trevor Lawrence. They're going to have the number one overall pick. Well, you know what? The Jags played against the Colts, and Gardner Minshew, who is your boy now, 
and because you you stuck up for him. He went 19 out of 20 with three touchdowns against a pretty good Colts defense. Yeah, I, I thought he I thought he had a good game, and I, I just. I, I actually just don't think the problem with the Jags is is the quarterback position. That's really that's really what I'm trying to get at. Is I think I think this team if they pick high, I mean I think they need to add some other pieces, you know, just just around their team. I mean they their their defense is not what it's been. I mean they've added some edge rushers in the past couple of years, but uh, you know there there there's still going to be some pieces to you know I I think the offensive line and I th- I think they're you know they're going to need to. They're gonna to need to add some pieces at skill positions. So um, this this team is still a work in progress. But um, you know, if if Gardner Minshew can hold it together, I mean, like if he can put together an eight and eight season, I mean, this could be this could be a team that you know moves in the right direction. And um, you know, you know what I think? I think the narrative that really came out is that a lot of a lot of these guys, you know, who stepped up. I mean, they I mean they got rid of Ngakwe, they got rid of Ronnie Harrison, they got rid of Leonard Fournette. But at the same time, I mean, a lot of these young guys who are just, you know, not big names just stepped up for this team. And so, you know, and I, and I think that's really what happened. It looked like they were dismantling their team, but really it was just the young guys were really just stepping up. And that eventually made it made made these top expensive veterans and stars or just not, you know, high draft pick guys just expendable and might as well get value for them. Bovada has the Titans as the favorites, uh, minus nine over the Jags this week, and the Jags are on the road. It's not a surprise that the Titans are the favorites in this game. But I want to mention another name, James Robinson, the running back, the undrafted free agent rookie who signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was buried on the depth chart. They got rid of Leonard Fournette. Armstead had some issues with COVID-19. Divina Zigbo has gone on the IR. It's the next man up. And James Robinson in the beginning of training camp was the fourth running back. In week one, he was the starting running back. He looked really good, especially in the first half. Just He showed what he did in college at Illinois State, just running over people. I know you like them coming out of college. Yeah, I mean, he was an undrafted free agent, but he ran for 90 yards on Sunday. I mean, that and then today's NFL, I mean, that's like that's like running for 100 yards 10 years ago. So, James Robinson, I mean, I think I think he can be a nice back in this league and you know, he he got picked as an undrafted free agent. He did well in camp and he won the job because you know what? Everyone deserves a chance at the job and now now I think I think they have they have a piece in him. I wanted to mention a couple of other rookies. It seems like the Jags added some pieces. C.J. Henderson had probably one of the best week one performances out of any rookie. He came up with an INT in zone coverage, had a couple of pass breakups against T.Y. Hilton on those hitch routes, I mean, where he knocked the pass away. C.J. Henderson was a great pick in the top 10, and uh, he's already delivering. And your boy, LaVisca Chenault, he caught a couple of passes and he scored a touchdown as well. Yeah, and now he's on my fantasy team and he's going to be starting this week. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'm excited. I mean, I thought I thought Lavisca Chenault was a great player at CU. And um, one thing I want to point out about Lavisca Chenault is they actually used him as a wildcat quarterback. Which, I mean, just for, just for the type of player he is, I mean, he kind of plays a unique. He has a kind of a unique skill set, and I thought that was a creative way to use him. And they have to get creative. I mean, the Jags do have to get creative in order to 
to pull out these wins. But once again, Gardner Minshew was efficient. He was accurate. He knew where to go with the football. He worked through those progressions, and he spread the ball around. And when you only have one incompletion, he didn't throw for a ton of yards. But when you take care of the football, you throw for three touchdowns, you complete 19 out of 20 passes, who needs Trevor Lawrence, right? All right, Washington, another team that wasn't expected to do much. But against the Eagles, they fell behind. And the game was getting ugly in the beginning. Carson Wentz was on a roll, especially on that first drive. The Eagles had the early lead, 17 to nothing. All of a sudden, the game just flipped. I don't think anybody expected that. I was thinking the Eagles are going to cruise. They're going to score 40 or 50 points. I mean, Washington is going to score seven points. All of a sudden, the game just flipped, and Washington won the game 27 to 17. Tell me about your reaction there. I don't think anybody expected that. Well, there's three things for me that really stood out for how that team did. One, you have to give credit to Ron Rivera for getting his team ready. I mean, he's a guy who's dealing with cancer. Um, you know, I, I, I was I, I was kind of concerned whether Washington would be the right job, especially with all the political forces going against them and, you know, the investigations. Peyton Barber had great two great touchdown runs, just really powering into the end zone, you know, showing that extra effort. And it's great to see, you know, those kind of maybe not bigger names, but lesser names, you know, really step up for a team like Washington. And then also their defense did great. Chase Young got a sack, but they had eight sacks on defense. So, I mean, this team, this team has some pieces on defense and really, I mean, I mean if they if they can just figure out what they can do on offense, I mean, maybe if 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 they can if they can get something out of Haskins or something like that, I mean, this this team could be actually a 500 team. I mean, if 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 pieces go right, but I still I still think they're in a rebuilding mode. I want I want to see I want to see three or four games like this before I'm I'm really sold on you know Washington being a contender. Let's not overreact. I mean, it's only one game, but I really do want to praise this coaching staff. Ron Rivera, who is battling cancer. Jack Del Rio, the defensive coordinator, definitely knows what he's doing. He likes to be aggressive. He's been a head coach in this league. He's a really fiery guy. You mentioned eight sacks by different players. Ryan Kerrigan had two sacks. It put him with 92 for his career, which is a franchise team record. I mean, this guy's been a dinosaur with the Washington football team, and I just I want to praise him for getting that record. But when you look at it, They had five guys on that defensive line that were drafted in the first round. They really invested in that position, and and they're they're getting the results right now. You mentioned Chase Young being the number two overall pick in 2020, but they also drafted Deron Payne. They drafted Montez Sweat in the first round. They got another guy from Alabama and Jonathan Allen, who's a good defensive tackle. And I mentioned Ryan Kerrigan being with the team for a while. He was also a first-round pick. So Washington has hit on these guys in the first round, and it's not a surprise that they're, they're delivering out there. But I am worried about Haskins. Did you watch that first half? I did. Washington against Philadelphia. In the first half, he was lost. He was just not accurate enough. And I still have questions whether he's the guy moving forward. I realize that he's going to get the the 16-game addition. I I get it. But I just, I'm not sure that, 
I'm looking, he got the win, and he got better in the second half, but I'm just looking for him to be more consistent week in and week out. He's got to be consistent in the first quarter as well as the fourth quarter, and that's what you're looking for from a starting quarterback in the NFL. Well, I mean, I'll be honest. I was watching the Carolina the Carolina game, and then I, I liked watching the Packers-Vikings game. I got kind of hooked on that game, so I didn't see that, that sort of early slot game, but um, you know, I'll have to trust your judgment with Dwayne Haskins. Well, we'll see if he can improve. It's all about improving. And he didn't get that shot in the beginning of last year. Uh, he was eased into that role. It was assumed that the coaching staff, the old coaching staff, didn't like him. The new coaching staff is, is giving him a chance. And he needs those starts under his belt. Remember, at Ohio State, he only started for one year as a redshirt sophomore. So there's a lot more to go on with it. Washington this week against Arizona. Arizona is at home. Bovada has Washington plus seven. They're the underdogs against Arizona. And we'll see. I mean, maybe that defensive line can can chase after Kyler Murray. It's going to be a lot more difficult than it was with Carson Wentz. But I'm sure you know Washington defensive line is, is going to continue its dominance. Let's talk about another team, the Chicago Bears, that surprised everyone because the Detroit Lions had the lead. They had the lead 23-6. to after three quarters, it looked like Matthew Stafford and the Lions were going to put the game away. All of a sudden, Trubisky, who has struggled through the first three quarters, he was sailing his passes high. He was sailing them wide. He was inaccurate during the game. In the fourth quarter, he came up big and improved Nagy and Ryan Pace right for, for sticking with him as the starting quarterback as he pulled out the win. Yeah, I think he just made the right plays at the right time, and he's been working real hard. But you know what? Nick Foles better be ready because I don't know. I don't trust in Mitchell Trubisky right now. I don't think the Bears and Matt Nagy are married to him right now. Um, one thing, one thing you know, I do want to mention was that, I mean, the Lions could have very easily won this game. You know, if, if, if DeAndre Swift didn't, you know, drop the pass in the end zone at the end of the game, I mean... We would be saying the Lions won and, you know, it would just be singing a different tune. And obviously you'd be giving me props for my Lions prediction. And so a lot a lot, a lot was based on that one play. And, I mean, you know, you got to feel for a guy like DeAndre Swift, you know, being a young player, being his first game and, you know, having a play like that. Well, Bovada is certainly trusting, putting the trust in the Chicago Bears. They've got the Bears of minus five at home versus the Giants. So obviously a lot of people were impressed with the Chicago Bears and the the way they pulled out that win against the Detroit Lions. But you know what? The DeAndre Swift episode, that wasn't the only thing. I realized that Swift dropped that pass in the end zone that he should have caught on third down. It was It was really a tough break. I mean, he was looking already. He turned his head. Instead of securing that ball, he was already looking into the end zone where he was, where his feet were, and that's really a a tough break for a young player. But also Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford threw a costly interception in the fourth quarter because it looked like the Bears were out of the game if the Lions picked up another first down, but they didn't. Stafford threw a dangerous pass in the middle of the field. They got away from him. The Bears came up with the pick, and they went on to to score the go-ahead touchdown. Trubisky showed guts, and the Chicago Bears didn't give up. But it just, 
I have questions worth whether Mr. Pencil Man can can deliver for the Detroit Lions. Whether he can make Bill Belichick proud. Well, I you know, I just I have to say one thing about the Bears and I mean they they still have one of the better defenses in in the NFL. You know, to be honest with you, you're not going to ask a lot out of Mitchell Petrubisky in the offense when you have a defense like the Bears. There was one thing I want to leave this kind of a closing argument when it comes to the NFL kickers. Kickers really struggled in week one in the NFL. I realized they didn't have preseason. I realized that they they showed up in training camp just like everyone else. But there are no excuses when veterans, we're not talking about rookies, when veterans are making are not making easy PATs or or short field goals. And that's that was tough to watch when when kickers across the league were missing easy chip shots and it happened you know with the Tennessee Titans it it happened with the Cincinnati Bengals that was tough to watch for me well let's get to our guest Uh, he joins us on the line right now today we have Charles Williams with us he's the running back from the UNLV Rebels how are you doing today Charles I'm pretty good glad to be on the show ready to talk some football with you guys what have you been up to since there's no football in the Mountain West this fall Really, just been training, staying and shit, working on my team, uh, watching watching a lot of film, handling business with my diet, and trying to just stay in the best shape I can and maintain my health. So when the season starts, I'll be ready to go. Will you come back for another year in the spring or the fall next fall before entering the draft? Uh, right now, yes, because right now I could honestly see myself, you know, just showing that. I could uh, I improved and developed the skills that have been like question marks on my resume and stuff like that. So I believe you know this is a year to just put some more film out there to show not that I I'm consistent, but I got better this year. What are those question marks, Charles? Where do you think you need to get better uh, as far as being a better football player? Where do you need to improve? Um, honestly, just the question mark has been like if you're receiving throw out the backfield. So, you know, just working on getting better, running routes, being more crisp, um, knowing how to, you know, sit in certain windows, understanding like a defense, like what are they trying to run, you know, working on my catching and stuff. Always got it. You can always improve on your catching some way, somehow. And, you know, uh, pass blocking, I guess, is another question mark. I feel like uh, it's not a big hassle for me. I can improve in that area for sure, though some ways i guess like just step up and be more aggressive but that's more of a mental thing and i'm ready to take on that challenge so that's about it on a question mark you have a new coaching staff obviously a new head coach coming over from oregon you're going to have a new offensive system have you been able to to talk to the coaching staff and see what they're going to do are they going to get you more involved in in the passing game um yes i believe they they know I can catch up the backfield and stuff, and they know, like, last year we really didn't throw to the running backs, which was odd to them because running backs are, you know, pretty good in space, and you want to get the ball, like, to, you know, the people you believe can make the best plays and stuff like that. So I believe, like, this system is really going to help everybody out. It's not just for the running backs. It's going to help the O-line out. It's going to help the receivers out, and especially the quarterback. And it's also going to help the defense by keeping them off the field as long as we can. I want to find out about your track background. You're a pretty accomplished uh, track and field runner. Uh, tell us about your background and your accomplishments in high school. 
So in high school, uh, my junior year, uh, I broke the school record for the 100-meter dash. It was 10-8. Then my senior year came in, and I basically broke my own record, 10-5. Then I ran a low 21.3. I placed third in state, yes, California State meet, something like that. And then um, I believe around my district or my uh, region, we call it the Valley Championship. We swept, my, me and my team, we swept uh, all the men's sprints in the relay and in the one and the two and in the 400. Did you have any interest uh, as far as continuing with your track career once you got to college or did the focus just stay solely on football? Honestly, I wanted to do track when I first got here at UNLV, but then I found out it wasn't a track program, so I just mainly turned my focus to football. It was a tough decision, but there was no option for me to run track, but if I could, I would, yes. Obviously, with your track background, are you the fastest player at UNLV football team? Yeah, I, I don't really don't see anybody on my team. No disrespect, I don't see nobody on my team beating me in a race, honestly. What made you choose UNLV in the first place? It was the great school that needed me. It was the best fit for me. It made me feel like it was a second home. I just know, like, the staff and everything, they really, when they were talking to me, they really, like, showed that they wanted me to come play. And then I ended up playing right away because, they, you know, they stuck to what they said. And, um, you know, I knew it was a school where once we started getting things rolling, I could be a part of something special, like, you were one of the guys that got, you know, be up and running in football, and you made something happen. You made an impact. Basically, me, like, not just me, but my uh, the, the teammates in my class and me, we, like, you know, with text and everything in the group chat talking about we about to change, you know, be. And, like, this is our last year, you know, to leave an impact and just leave our mark, and I feel like we can do that this year. What's it like to play football in Las Vegas? It's pretty nice. After a game, it's a whole like a lot of it's a whole lot of places you can go just explore with your family or with friends. Um, there's always something to do. It's somewhere like you think it's just a vacation spot, then you find out it's all this other stuff you can do. Like back home, you could do the same stuff uh, here, basically in Vegas. It's basically got everything. It's a jack of all trades. Just stay off the strip though, because the strip don't ever lose. The strip will always win that battle. That's all I can tell you. I don't go out on the strip, but, you know, if people out here that uh, I know that come from back home, they always talk about, yeah, the strip got me today. I say, yeah, that's why I avoid that. <laughs> Can't be on the strip too long. I'm sure your friends back from Fresno, California, want to see the strip, right? I mean, that's that's mm -hmm. the main yeah. attraction. It's the only street in Las Vegas that I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, but it's more to Vegas than just the strip. But everybody wants to visit it because, you know, all the movies and stuff like that. Everybody wants to see Caesar's Palace, you know, from the movie The Hangover and stuff. This type of stuff you want to see. And it's understandable, but I just stay away, honestly. Let's talk about your career. You're the defending regular season uh, rushing champion in the Mountain West Conference. What were the biggest reasons behind your breakout junior season? A really great offseason. Did really well in spring ball. Got the chemistry with the O-line. You know, quarterback. Worked with the receivers and catching on the jugging machine a lot. Just really 
put a lot of hard work and effort into the off season, and then taking care of my body in the weight room, getting like extra reps in, working out after the workout. When we ran and stuff, I didn't go out and stuff. Like I didn't move around. I just laid down and rested my body, so I made sure like my legs were underneath me, so I never had any like nagging injuries, stuff like that. And then um, I could say like the season. Once the season started, just you know the, the boys up front, the old line, I gotta appreciate all they do. Uh, they they opened up the holes and everything. I just read them and I ran through them. And you know, coach let me just do what I did. He gave me the keys. He gave me the keys to the Ferrari, and I just took off on it. And now the coach isn't there anymore. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, I got to just have the same mindset and just keep pushing forward. It's still the same team. Just because of a, a few changes doesn't change the team. Are you guys training right now in the weight room? Are you getting together on Zoom? How is the team gelling together by not being able to have the season? What are you doing right now as a team? Obviously, with the new coaching staff and the new players, uh, what are you doing right now? We're working out right now in our facility and stuff. We've been having very good numbers with the COVID uh, tests and everything. It's zero negative tests, like, like what, the last three weeks. Also, we do meetings in person now, so we're getting more comfortable and we're understanding, like, if there was a season, we would be ready. And, as you know, we have, we have, like, lunch and dinner and stuff like that just to bring us together, especially going, uh, uh, basketball is going crazy right now. So that just brings us together and stuff like that. And it makes you, you know, see that it's great just to be around your brothers and around your coaches and stuff and just being able to get out the house. Well, Charles, you're not only a runner, but you're also a kick returner for your team. Talk about that aspect of your game. Kick returning is really something. It was really just my speed that got me on there. I feel like, this you want a guy that's going to hit it hard and hit it fast and read the holes. Just a matter of, you know, setting up the blocks and trusting the process. I feel like as a kick returner, you can really, like, change the game. You can impact it uh, in a matter of seconds. All it takes is, what, 10 to 12 seconds to uh, get to the end zone. How did getting hurt in the beginning of 2017 shape your career? It gave me time just to enjoy life without football for once, but then it showed me how football is a very important aspect in my life. It pissed me off at times, not being able to walk. So I really, I tell kids every day, like, don't take this for granted. It can just be taken away from you in a matter of seconds. You can lose everything you worked hard for in, in one play. And uh, to think people thought, like, I was just going to bounce back. It was some it was some trials and tribulations. So it took some time to get back. And once I got my feet back underneath me, I got back on the scene. I just took off, like I said earlier. And now I'm just trying to, you know, get better and better and stay healthy, stay away from stuff like that. Charles Williams, running back from UNLV, is with us. What's the highlight of your career as you look back on it at UNLV? One highlight I could say was everybody's going to expect it, but it was playing against Fresno State my freshman year. Basically, the head coach at Fresno State didn't want me to come play for his school, and I'm a kid from Fresno. So you already know what that means. I'm a, just, you know, I'm right in your backyard. You don't want to pick me up. So I go to another school in the same conference. We play. I do what I'm supposed to do. Basically, it felt good. Just It was a slap in the face at first, but it, it really, like, motivated me. And it wasn't, like, just a highlighted game for me, but I knew people were going to be watching and people were going to expect something special out of me. So I just put on a show. 
I can thank my coaches for believing in me and letting me get in there and you know show what I can do against uh, my hometown team. Charles, I'm curious. Can you give us a couple of players that we should keep an eye on at UNLV for next season? Who else is out there with you? I would say Ken Oblad, quarterback. There's a lot of great kids. I don't want to leave anybody out. I would say Chad Maguire. He, you know, great. He's a great leader. He's gonna help, like you know, keep that thing running in the running back room for sure. Um, and the receiver end, Tylee Collins, uh, Steve Jenkins, tight end would be Noah Bean. Offensive line, I believe, like Leaf. His name is Leaf. I, I can't say his last name correctly. I don't want to mispronounce it, but you you know who I'm talking about. You got so many new defensive players. I don't really know. Freshman, uh, I know this freshman uh, cornerback, uh, Noah Williams. I really, I really like, uh, I really like his game. It's a lot of people. I just uh, I, right now, I just there's so many people I want to say. <laughs> hey, just watch out for everybody, basically. Who's the best defender you face in the Mountain West? Play against a lot of people that's in the league right now. So <laughs> let me think about this one. Who's giving me headache? I don't know. I still, I'm still waiting on that to be honest. Not to be happy or anything i'm just still waiting on that like nobody really pushed my buttons or uh, if anybody probably logan wilson from wyoming he's always he's always uh you know we were battling for freshman of the year 2016 so i would say him probably i know he is like when we play he's always playing hard and he's always looking to come get me and stuff like that who is the yeah. toughest opponent to to face in the mountain west conference who has the toughest defense every year Toughest defense every year, probably San Diego State. They're just so stingy with their defense. They they have they run the three three five. Well, they did uh, number forty four uh, Tavino or something like that. He was really like a good commander of that defense. Really, you know, held those boys in check. Uh, I would say yes, San Diego State. Tyrone Young Smith is your cousin, and he plays for Utah. Uh, how do you guys motivate each other? We don't talk much. You know, uh, he's like a couple years older than me. Really didn't ever ask for advice, but just watching him play in high school, he was uh, he went to the, my rival high school. He just always showed up in big games. He was never like the one to be talking and everything and like be getting like you know stupid penalties and stuff like that. He let his game do the talking, made big plays. Like I said, used his athleticism to the uh, to his best. I feel like. The way he motivated me was just to keep working hard, don't say nothing, let your game do the talking, and then eventually people will be talking for you. You've been on the dean's list numerous times. Uh, how does education shape your life, Charles? Uh, my parents, all they said was to me when I first got here, they might be able to like say, like, you don't plan, but once you get that degree, they can never take that back, and you can always have that with you. So I really just really focused on getting that degree trying to get it as early as I could. I tried to get it in three years. I couldn't. Certain classes I needed to take still. I wanted to see my grandma come all the way out here and just watch me graduate from college. That was really one of my main goals, too. I just, you know, stayed in the books. Charles, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you for having me. And this was another episode of Blitzcast. Thank you for being with us. Take care.